Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to part two of the international break and whatever the hell is going on. We are back talking a little bit about both the Champions League groups and generally what we expect from the group stages. General discussion, just vibes, like honestly, just how we're feeling. Mental health check more than anything. And then we're obviously going to talk about both big European leagues, Premier League and La Liga. We've got our questions lined up. We're only doing one question each this time around. So we're going to jump right into it. And I don't know why, but Rian decided it was a fun idea to spill the beans for both of our questions to each other when we weren't recording. And in hindsight, I think it would have been great to get our reactions live time. But there's always there's literally always next time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah we, always, we usually have a little we usually have an idea of what the, the questions will be pretty vague pretty vague with usually but um yeah for for this one i i it's been a long international break it's felt long but that might have more to do with you know the international games that i've been watching Mm. from a certain team from a certain country but i'm i'm excited for the club season the clubs to get back i remember i said i think a couple weeks ago i was like oh i'm I'm so excited for both club and international games. And that <laughs> lasted for like three days into the yeah. break. So yeah. I don't know what you were thinking too. Like there was no, there was no part of me that was like, Oh, I'm so excited for international. Like I looked at the international yeah. schedule and there's literally a break almost every month. Well, I thought I was going to have some enjoyment from watching. Oh, 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 that <laughs> stemmed on the assumption. <laughs> I thought I was oh. going to enjoy a bit. I think I was gonna. I thought mm. I would have at least some semblance of joy, but yeah, how's, how's um, that working? Out unfortunately, for you? not. It's it's really not working out. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just actually <laughs> non-existent. <laughs> well, oh, well, Elias, I'll ask you my my Premier League question, and because my question is centered around one Cristiano Ronaldo, I think it is important to acknowledge the non-footballing parts of, of Christian. It's important to acknowledge that this is a guy who has a warrant out in the U.S. in Nevada tied to a sexual assault allegation. And so I do want to just say now we're, we'll do our best to keep every discussion about Cristiano Ronaldo centered around Cristiano Ronaldo, the football player, because I don't think either of us we're not, we're not very of fond of his speak. character yeah we're frankly. not gonna speak um, on on the, the man himself um but, to put it mildly yeah. yeah but with that elias cristiano ronaldo obviously made his big return to manchester united after what may or may not have been like a rope-a-dope from george mendez <laughs> like pulling Manchester City in and then and then maybe 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 he maybe did or didn't use them to kind of leverage Manchester United into getting scared and and Manchester United made a fully like emotional decision to go and get Cristiano Ronaldo and so obviously the the vibes in that sense continue <laughs> to roll on with with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and this Manchester United team but at least I asked for on the field, how much better does Cristiano Ronaldo make Manchester United? If you were to put 
a percentage on it. I'm going to go with an objective answer here because my subjective answer is 5%. My objective answer is somewhere between 5 and 10%. So it's not that much better. I, I said this to Rian when City, I think we're in the race for him. I said to myself, or I said to Rian, I was like, I can seemingly somewhat understand what City are trying to do here with looking at Ronaldo. Like they need quite literally just an out and out forward. And even though Ronaldo is 36, he's obviously in incredible shape, still very fit, may not have the pace he once did, um, but can serve a purpose. Like he's he's going to score goals, right? And that's what City needs. And so there's a part of me that understood the argument, albeit going from Harry Kane to Ronaldo on a short-term contract may not make much sporting project sense. But the second that he was started to be linked there, that he was started to... Um, started to look like he was going to go to Manchester United. I was like very upset. Like I I just, I don't understand why that happened. And now after reading the reporting and some great journalism, especially from the athletic, I think this was very much an emotional purchase. Like there was nothing else associated with, a sporting project that had anything to do with Ronaldo coming back to United. Let's be very clear that this man does not fit into United sporting plans at all. And people funny enough, like football Twitter is so ridiculously toxic. Like Rian said earlier, it I've seen so many lineups out there, like projected lineups with Ronaldo in it that genuinely just give me heartache. And I can't understand how United went out and bought Ronaldo. I mean, again, was not extremely expensive, but went out and got Ronaldo for a team that so desperately needs a holding midfielder to be able to balance between having players like Pogba and Fred and Fernandez in front of them. I, I'm flabbergasted by the fact that this team brought Ronaldo back. So to answer your question originally, right, I'll go back to the original question. How much better does Ronaldo, there does United get with Ronaldo coming back? I told you, between 5 and 10% better. They get better in the sense that there will be extra goals that players like Rashford and Martial will not score. That's granted, and I get that that will be a valuable contribution in the title race. But if you think, you know, Ronaldo is going to be the difference maker in a Champions League game for them, in the long run, or at least like a significant difference. That's just not going to, he doesn't have the team around him to do that. You saw what happened in the Juventus the last two to three years. There's a reason why they didn't make it past basically the quarterfinal stage. Like it, they, they went uh, from, it's frustrating. Two finals, two champions league finals in four years before, before Ronaldo arrived to getting knocked out in things, the quarters and then the round of 16, two years in a row. So, and, and, and the teams that yeah. they lost I, to as well, the, right? Like outside of, outside of that IX team, that IX team was. That IX team was. Yeah, fantastic. that was a great yeah. team. But, you know, going out to Porto and um, it's just a bad look, really. It is. Porto. And I, I'm not, I, I honestly do not believe that Ronaldo was the root of that problem. Like, I'm not here to say Ronaldo was the reason why they went out in the round of 16, but there is an element of 
unbalanced. There's an uh, there's an unbalanced team, or there was an unbalanced team in Juventus when Ronaldo was there, right? They definitely walked to to the title two years ago. But I think one of the reasons that Inter did well to steal it from them last year is because of the fact that that Inter team was so incredibly well balanced, and they had a really well oiled machine from basically that midfield transition to, to attack. And it was very, very seamless. It was very quick. Juventus have slowed down in recent years to almost meet Ronaldo's style in some way. And it just does not work for a team that has champions league, I guess, expectations you call it. And maybe United don't really have those expectations over the last seven to eight years. So fair, but still just sad. I, I really do. I really do not think he makes that much of a difference in terms of making United that much better. He'll get all the marketing and accolades and everyone will be like, Oh my God, when he first scores his first goal back, Oh, they're going to lose their minds. But in the grand scheme of things, it's almost negligible. Sorry. Not sorry. I, I, yeah. I think my favorite, um, my favorite lineup that I think I've seen is something like Ronaldo, like Rashford and Sancho up, up as a front front three um i think like varan shaw mcguire and juan basaka is the back four and then pogba bruno and then in holding midfield hopes and prayers <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 a hundred percent and then question marks over the goalkeeper spot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um no i think i think i'm somewhat similar to you i i think I'd say 15% max um, that he improves this team. I, I feel like I'm closer in that 10% range. And uh, I know a lot of that has to do with almost like a law of diminishing returns here, <laughs> right? Like, and what you mean as, when, as we get like longer into the season? Yeah, no, as, as you add just more guys who are just very good at finishing and not necessarily contributing in any other sense of the of you know how the team plays just having a a lot of finishers is gonna win you a lot of games that you shouldn't win obviously but it doesn't make you that much better like obviously they're gonna be objectively a better team with Cristiano Ronaldo in it like that's objective like every team's gonna be better it's like you said, it's it's how much better it's it's does does he make them so much better as a team that now the expectations are vastly different than it was before he he joined the team, right? And I I think that maybe media wise, yes, it is going to be like the pressure that's going to be now on Olga Solskjaer to win like any trophy really um, in this season with Cristiano Ronaldo now and the team is, is going to be greater. Do you, do you think I, so? I, I, I think, mean, I, I'm not questioning yeah, you in that. I'm just, I'm yeah, just like generally like, I, that's the one thing I, have I think to, like, the I media heard. purely like media expectation. I, I think, I think the expectations will now be like, Oh, what we, we can basically wait and see what's said like this weekend. Um, like right. at least on the NBC broadcast and stuff here. Like, they're they're gonna say that you know yes now united 
should be like closer to Manchester City or closer to Liverpool, whatever. Um, that's going to be the media expectations, right? I, even though I think it might not that's necessarily silly. be fair on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because, as we said, it's we don't think that Ronaldo is going to make this team that much better, right? But it's almost like a like I said, the diminishing returns. I in, in the numbers game, they kind of talk about the same thing when they look at early 2000s Real Madrid with the Galacticos where they let Claude Makalele leave but yeah, then added yeah, in all yeah. of these added all of these like really good attackers and the team was really lopsided right and it's a good that's that, a good case study right there that was yeah that, and that study. feels somewhat similar to this Manchester United team like they're already a team full of three or four very good finishers in midfield and up front and they just added another one which will help them in in those games where they have a very tough time breaking down opponents as they have for the last two years at least when they have a very tough time of getting the ball forward and, and consistently getting it forward into it into dangerous areas someone like Ronaldo might help and get you the goal that you don't necessarily deserve and end up like getting points out of it. Right. Like they're going to steal some points in that sense. And, and I don't doubt he's going to score goals for them. No one does. Um, yeah. It's just the issue of, yeah, that this team is still going to face all of the same issues that they have been facing for the last um, couple of years. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be exciting. They're going to be more exciting. That's for sure. But um I I honestly fear for any fan that is like 30 rows behind 30 rows <laughs> up behind the <laughs> behind the goal because watching a team of Bruno Fernandez and Cristiano Ronaldo together there's going to be a lot of 25 yard shots just and a lot of broken wrists in the crowd of, too. <laughs> broken wrists a lot of defenders that are just getting pumped with the ball into their face, like um, again from twenty yards out, just because they're trying to block it, um, it it's it's going to be fascinating. In the least, it's going to be very fascinating to see how they try to make this fit because the, his, this is still a great player in Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously, but this is not mid twenty tens Cristiano Ronaldo. Like this team is. If you're expecting him to come in and they're going to be a great counterattacking team stuff again, um, he might contribute some to the counterattacks, but that's like not his. That's not his strength anymore, right? We we've seen what he what he is now. He's a great goal scorer, and really just looks to score goals more than, more than helping in almost any other facet of the game, but. Yeah, uh, I guess fascinating. Fascinating is is what this will be, and um, and I I don't know. I think it I think it puts a lot of pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, even if it's even if it's not necessarily his fault <laughs> that right. this move was made. Right, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't really think about it in the context of his pressure, right, and what he has to go through. I really thought of it more from a sporting point of view. But that that pressure is warranted in some ways but from a purely sporting point of view it just it just doesn't make sense like i'm i'm still genuinely baffled by that and i always will be so i 
I've said my piece. <laughs> I'll leave it as, as all, such. All we can do is sit back and and wait and just enjoy it. Truly, truly. I will say there is one other just brief question before we get to the La Liga portion um, about the Premier League, not related to Ronaldo, but obviously with the international break and whatever happened between Brazil and Argentina, I, I <laughs> can we to... please can we please just touch on it a little bit? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, we have to. We have to. Probably the most ridiculous incident I've seen from a political ex football crossover in the last ten years, maybe something like that. I mean, for those who did not see or did not watch. Argentina and Brazil played in Brazil. Maybe not played is not the right word. Began playing. We're there. They were, were there. there. there they were sure. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were in Brazil for a World Cup qualifier. The game kicked off. And then about seven or so minutes into the game, Brazilian health authorities come onto the field mid-game and attempt to pull four Argentinian players off of the field to deport them from the country to go back to England because apparently there's there is suspicion that they did not quarantine before coming to Brazil. Now, I from what I know and seeing social media posts, et cetera, from these four players, I believe what happened was they actually left England to go to another European country and then came to Brazil to somehow circumvent some of these COVID restrictions. But I don't actually know for certain. So this is me just speculating on what I saw. What I will say is the scenes of seeing basically both the Brazil and Argentina camps just pissed off at everybody. Like there's no, there's no cohesion as to what was going on. And eventually the match being suspended was, it was pure cotton ball. Just, oh, it was, it was glorious. Yeah. With, with Brazil, I think having like an intra-squad match at once Argentina, the whole into Argent, Argentina national <laughs> to team. entertain left. the fans. Yeah, literally. And yeah. They're like, yeah, the fans are here. There was a, they had their own little intra-squad game with, Made the most of it, I guess. Um, but sorry, so, so your your question though. Oh my god, yes, my question. I almost forgot about it. Okay, out of now, the I believe nine Brazilian players that play in the Premier League who cannot play in this weekend's games because of said COVID restrictions coming back into England from Brazil. I'm curious who you think is probably going to be the most missed player. Out of out of that Brazilian squad, we know where Charleston did not go because he went to um, both Copa America and um, the not the World Cup, Olympics, the Olympics. Right? Thank you, the Olympics. Um, so he was not in the squad. But you had players like Thiago Silva, you had Gabriel Jesus, you had Ederson, you had Allison. Right out of those, you know, multitude of players, who do you think is going to be kind of missed the most in this weekend's matches? Uh, honestly, I think I might have to go for one of the goalkeepers, um, especially Ederson, because as we know, like Zach Steffen has not been able to play for the U.S. during this international break due to back spasms. Right. So 
feels like he's probably more likely than not, maybe not able to start this weekend for Manchester City if if Ederson's not available, which I think leaves like Scott Carson, who was the who was the guy who started I think on the last day for City last season, and it was kind of a meme because I think he's been with the club for like eight or nine years and <laughs> has never like started a uh, a Premier League game for them. Um, so, so I think it could be him. I think Allison obviously is a big miss too. We saw how much Liverpool struggled last season when he was out. So, right. Um, I think for, for the circumstances, I think Ederson is probably a bigger loss considering that Stefan might not be ready to go this weekend. I think, I think that's super fair. I think Ederson is, is a really good shout. I would say the other potential shout would be Gabriel Jesus for me, just because Pep has some sort of infatuation with him and against a Leicester side, especially that really more than anything needs to win, right. Just for their own confidence right now. I think Gabriel Jesus could have gone a long way for a city side that will be up against him this weekend. Ederson, I think is probably the other one for the exact same reasons that you mentioned. So I'm glad for once that we're all on the same page about something. (laughs) All right, and now to I guess, touch on the La Liga portion of this, right? We we okay. should we should Ask yes. Away. I I have one. Actually, now that I think of it, I did not share this question with Rian before we started recording. So now I will get to see his live reactions. Ah, Rian, my question to you about La Liga, and it is only one I promise, but it's probably probably a very difficult question to answer. Do you think? bringing Antoine Griezmann back to Atletico was a right move for Simeone. Mic drop. You know, I, I was thinking about this a, a bit after his, um, after his move back to Atletico Madrid. Obviously we, we know the reasons why he had to move away from Barcelona, right? They, of course, we've, we've talked about it enough. You know, purely they, sporting related. They're broke. <laughs> they're broke. <laughs> um, I'm laughing through the pain. All, the, <laughs> all that being said, it, it was still a bit of a shock that he that he went back. Right, um, still a bit of a shock that it happened on the last day, like especially he, like the, the yeah transfer deadline day. I think that was the kicker. Yeah, um, and and I kind of thought about it, and, and I was trying to wrestle with like, is this good? not only for Atletico Madrid, but is this good for Jao Felix? And I know that, that we kind of talk about, I feel almost protective of him at this point. Yeah. Um, You're a godfather. But yeah, it's like, it's, it's difficult to see exactly how they fit together, right? As two players who seem like they are best playing off of a striker themselves, like playing as maybe as the number 10 or as that second striker it's I, I think it's a overall Antoine Griezmann is going to make Atletico Madrid better right and and you look at the attacking talent that Atletico Madrid have now the depth of attacking talent especially yeah. once Rafa Felix comes back um you know they brought in Mateus Cunha obviously picking up Rodrigo de Paul over the summer and this seems like a deep team it seems like a deeper squad than it was last season. And I, I think it maybe just strengthens their case for being the right now, the best team in Spain and, and being favorites to retain the title. 
but it, it's I, I think he did a I think it's the right thing I think it's the right thing in the sense that that Antoine Griezmann is going to make the team a hell of a lot better um, from an attacking point of view because this is still a very 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 good football player <laughs> like yeah. he's still he's still very good he's still a very good finisher this is a this is someone that you can also rely on more than Ralph Felix at this point in in his career as someone who's gonna be able to play well with Luis Suarez in in you know however they choose to manage Luis Suarez's minutes over the season but Antoine Griezmann is going to play very well I think with with Suarez and I, I hope he plays well with Cunha as well but um I overall a good a good move to bring him back under the circumstances too you're talking about by the end of the season they could end up only paying somewhere around like 40 million euros for him um yep. after selling him for <laughs> three times that just a few years ago so um I think it's it's kind of a low risk high reward move I think it's it's very much low risk for Atleti I I 100% agree I think this was probably a good move from Atletico and they absolutely knowingly waited until transfer deadline day to, to make this move. They, there was no doubt in my mind that they obviously knew how broke Barcelona were and seemingly said, well, their backs are up against the wall. Might as well go in for him at a third of the price that we sold him for. And Barcelona had no choice to, to get those wages off the book. So that's obviously why it happened. But from a sporting point of view, I agree. This is actually... I've gone back and forth on it, but I, I, I do think this is a positive move. Like, I do think that Simeone, A, he better not be treating him as a wingback as he's basically been playing at Barcelona for the last year and a half. But I don't, I, and neither do I think he will. But more importantly, I think he provides you more goals than someone like Jao Felix or someone like, like Yana Carrasco, players that basically play in virtually the same position. And this is a different Atletico than what we saw right three four years ago when he was originally there and I think people forget just how good he was basically between the period of like 2015 to 2017 2018 almost no yeah 2018 basically through like the world cup like he was so so good um and I think people just genuinely forget that the the only thing that worries me about him going back to Atletico is this is pure like suspicion or superstition more than anything, but there has been no player that's gone back to Diego Simeone that I think has performed up to the level that they have in the past. Like Felipe Luis, for example, I think left Atletico Madrid is probably arguably one of the best left backs in the world. And I think that by the time he by the time he he looked back on his career, I, I I don't think that you could say that he necessarily benefited from going back. So I I think that there's just there's an element of is going back the right move basically. Like Fernando Torres probably being the one exception, even though he didn't start under Simeone, but Carrasco probably hasn't reached that level just yet. I mean, there the list goes on and on. Diego Costa, don't even get me started. So 
yeah. yeah. I mean, you talk about like a lot of those guys come back, came back pretty much after their prime too, right? And Costa and Torres obviously came back at very, very late stages of their right of their prime, like past it, past it for sure for Torres, right? right. <laughs> and percent, and, um, and Diego Costa pretty much at the end, like you know his his last years of his prime were pretty much with Chelsea. And then, and then when he went back to um, Atletico, it was not the same player. Right. And that's kind of like the difference I think here with, with Griezmann who granted, he's not quite at those levels where he was three years ago, but Mm -hmm. you know, as we've been seeing, especially for France, like he's still a damn good finisher. He's still a damn good finisher. He's still, his link up play is still fantastic. Um, this is still a player that can contribute a lot more, I think, than the guys who have come back in the past. Um, and like you said, too, like this is a better team around him, attacking wise, I should say, like, you know, just pure attacking talent right. um, better than the last time that he was there. So I'm excited to see how he fits in with this kind of potentially more cavalier um, Atletico Madrid. Yeah, I, I agree. And he will undoubtedly. I think get back on the side of the Atletico Madrid fans once he starts hitting his stride. Um, and when they eventually go on to win the league, I think he'll be, he'll be just fine. It's a shame, honestly, for him that he swapped sides just in time for Atletico to win the league. Like he, I hope he doesn't screw it up now, honestly, at this point, but neither here nor there. So with that, I think Rian, we're going to take a break, come back, talk about the champions league. And uh, I'm going to explain why Barcelona are going to beat by. I can't, I can't say it with serious faces. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, one last rodeo. We're going to make it happen. We're going to talk about the Champions League groups that came out. feels like, like three weeks ago, but it was only. <laughs> so was it last week? week and a half uh, two weeks man i want to say it was right before the last group the last bit of um club games before yeah it was like 10 days ago yeah yeah i think think so i think it was like the friday before the international break oh that's right because people were talking about for city psg like ronaldo versus messi yeah yeah and then it didn't happen obviously which is a great place to start yes in in group a where we have manchester city psg club bruges and red bull leipzig you know what's funny about about just before we even talk anything yeah yeah. club bruges i think by default starts at the top of uh of the group just purely (laughs) alphabetically and I would absolutely die if I saw the way this if this group ended the way that it did. <laughs> Alphabet ended alphabetically. alphabetically at Club Bruges, <laughs> City, PSG, and Leipzig. <laughs> well, I think you can kind of keep dreaming there. <laughs> of course. Of but, course. <laughs> but obviously, yeah, you touched on it. The whatever eight hours that we thought Ronaldo was going to Manchester <laughs> City, um, <laughs> the the group the group stage draw was happening, and when this was kind of pulled, I think I, I think it was um, PSG that was second pulled in this in, in like the pots because they were in pot two, 
um when that name came out i mean i was like wow uefa just couldn't get any messier <laughs> with this one <laughs> you know? no pun intended again. um no pun intended um it felt like we were about to get a second straight year of a ronaldo and um and Lionel messi playing against each other in the champions league but alas not the case but we're gonna get a couple rematches of last season's semifinal, right? From City and PSG. And that we are. This is a much, much, much different PSG team than it was in that in that um semifinal. It's pretty much gonna be the same Manchester City team. Like actually, like I think it's almost the exact same yeah. team, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, there's basically no changes. Yeah. So, I mean, that'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun to see Pochettino match up against Pep Guardiola again. Um, I'm excited to see if Leipzig can pull anything off here. If they, if they can find a way to go to the last day and still have a chance to make it out of the group. Obviously, Leipzig, coached by um, American Jesse Marsh, who's kind of gotten screwed on i think got some group stage <laughs> in the past um yeah he was with salzburg last year and i think i can't remember who else was in that group but it was like atletico and someone else and they did well um yeah they did well but you know it, it, it's gonna be tough obviously but, but at least if you have to pick one between city and psg just for now like do you think that you know by the end of this group stage do you feel like this psg team will be clicking in it in a sense, and, and be able to make it out of this group in first place? Um, it's, a, it's a really good question. And I've again, it's one of those things where I've gone back and forth on. I think that PSG are a much better attacking team. Okay, that's a stupid thing to say. The, the best attacking team in the world. Like, uh, really that, going out on a limb there. Yeah, I'm not really saying anything you don't really know. The question is, do I think PSG as a team holistically are better than Manchester city and are they better than them on two different occasions to potentially take top spot? I'm, I'm going to say that they probably will. I think they do probably take the top spot. Only reason being that city a have still been going through the ringer with some of their injuries and I think that they probably, outside of their most recent game, have not looked extremely consistent this season, just in terms of a whole 90 minutes, right? That's that's the one thing that has me a little worried for City. And, and as it relates to the Champions League, I'm not worried about them in the Premier League. But again, the flip side to that is PSG are looking very slow, and they also have a lot of internal political issues i.e mbappe <laughs> and it's you can't completely do away with that i i just i do think that psg are capable of overcoming some of their others maybe internal politics issues with the fact that they have probably the three greatest attackers on the planet right now in one team tracking back aside <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it'll it'll be really interesting to see how this team how this team goes about i think defending at least like 
counter pressing if there if that will happen because that is a staple of a lot of Pochettino teams that counter pressing in the high press so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if the team can will be like hitting their stride as we get to the latter stages of this um of the group it is crazy to me that Pochettino went from Spurs (laughs) and like Danny Rose to this (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah bless up but Group B, Elias. Group B. We have Liverpool, Atletico, Milan, and Porto. This is my group this of death, be fun. by the way. This should be fun, yeah. This is yeah. personally my, my group of death. This Milan, obviously a big come up from last season. Zlatan, for some reason, I mean, not for some reason, but generally speaking, just from the pictures I've seen, has looked incredibly fit to start the season. Very impressed by that. I don't know how well his knees will work, but that's another thing. I do, I do think that this is probably a worst case scenario for Atletico Madrid. I'm just, like that's my personal point of view. I think Liverpool still do make it out, but because of the pressure on Simeone to win La Liga again, I think plus the fact that he has a game every three days, like give or take, having such strong teams to play in the Champions League is going to be very difficult on the squad. I, I personally think that we could see a surprise where Atletico do not make it out of the group. I think that's entirely possible and they go to, down to the Europa League. But I honestly, I do think that this is Liverpool's group to lose right now. Um, just on, on a pure talent point of view. And I know we can talk about how Liverpool haven't signed anyone, blah, blah, blah. But I still do think that Liverpool are the strongest team in this. Yeah, I think I would tip them as my favorites to win the group as well. You make a good point about Atletico. We talked about their attacking depth, right? And that's so I'm not I'm not worried about them being able being able to rotate those guys. But right. that midfield is it looks a, just a bit um, light, honestly. For when you're talking about like you said, playing three games in seven days, basically every two weeks. Um, and as we saw, they they let Saul go out on loan to Chelsea right. at the end of the window as well. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see the rotations from a midfield point of view, um, and then just you know Milan with Zlatan and Giroud. I'm begging to see them on the field once, <laughs> just, just for like ten minutes. If they're chasing a game, just have just throw them both on. That would just be a treat to watch. Remind um, me to not put you in charge of any games in general. <laughs> like that's such a bad idea. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I think I'm I think I'm with you. I, I think I'd tip Liverpool to, to finish first. I think Atletico will still make it through. I think this Milan team is still not quite ready. To, I mean, but obviously they can surprise us. I think Porto Porto were a really tough team to for to play against last season in the in the Champions League. They made it really difficult obviously for yeah. Juventus. They made it difficult for Chelsea as well. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out of potentially potentially causing some major trouble for for um any of these other three teams. I agree. I, I just don't know out of those other three teams, you know, Bar Liverpool obviously who's gonna make it out. Like I, I think it's genuinely a toss up. Yeah. Um and we can quickly Move on to to Group C. Should be a fun one. Dortmund and Ajax in the same group should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's Dortmund, Ajax, Besiktas, and and uh, Sporting Lisbon. 
yeah that, that should be a lot of fun that should that seems that group should be a lot of fun agreed um, aesthetically i, think. I do th- i do think that this is ix's year potentially to but not not go far again but like potentially make it out mm-hmm. um on top like, I, I think that last season they were overall poor by their standards i think that uh tenag is probably very disappointed with i mean i know he definitely is disappointed with that i also think that they've brought in some good young signings and i think that this team overall has started the season very well and dormand are going to be a side to contend with excuse me contend with you saw that against sevilla last season where they really really took it to sevilla for parts of um especially that first leg but I, I genuinely, I think Ajax have that, maybe not the same level, like that 2019 level again, but they they do have a special spark. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Dorman obviously will be watching for Erling Holland to continue this ridiculous pace of scoring goals in the Champions League. I think he won forward of the year. Um last year for did you see what Jersey. he said the other day too no i missed it he was like honestly i think i don't score enough goals i should be scoring more goals than i play games and i was like oh my <laughs> god he's an actual <laughs> he did in the champions league last season in, in the champions league he games. did unbelievable yeah um and also i'm super excited to keep watching jude bellingham true who has like started this season for Dortmund. in the couple games that i've gotten to watch he's He's something else. I mean, just like from a physicality point of view to be 17 and, and be that big and also be that smooth, really. Yeah. Um, he's so fun to watch. So excited to watch some more of him. Very fun. No, he is yeah. amazing. Um, I think probably Dortmund and Ajax get out of that group. Yeah. Probably. Sporting, maybe. But yeah, I think it's fair. Um, so on to Group D. Where we got three of the same teams. What the, the same hell? Group from the last year in Real Madrid, Inter Milan, Shakhtar, and Sheriff Tiraspol, which I think became the first Romanian team to. Um, Did they? Yeah, I think they became the first. Oh, sorry, Moldovan. Moldovan. My apologies. The first Moldovan team to make it into the Champions League group stage. So amazing. Props to them. I think um, they beat Dynamo. Dynamo. Excuse me. Zagreb. <laughs> To make it, did none of their yeah. the first. Oh yeah, though. they did. They did. Um, so yeah, this should be should be an interesting one. I mean, Shakhtar gave both of these teams, Real Madrid and Inter, really, really difficult time last yes. year, and and could have made it out of the group. Um, actually, I think I honestly can't remember if they made it out of the group last last year. I I, I we know that Inter not... finished fourth in that yeah um, i'm trying to remember i believe it was it ended up being gladbach in real madrid i think right i think those were the two yeah on the last but, day yeah but Shakhtar, yeah they they made it really tough for them and inter they were really poor honestly in, in the champions league last season and we'll see if um new manager people Zaghi can kind of improve on antonio conte in that sense because i think that is kind of also the one knock against conte is that in the champions league he's he has not had much success, even with those great um, Juventus teams. So, I don't know, at least I, I, I feel like Real Madrid don't have to be 
that great to get out of this group. So I, I think I'm tipping. I think I'm still going to tip them and in, Inter in to make it through. But Shakhtar took it to both of these teams last season. I, yeah, I, I, I think you're underrating the, that a yeah, little bit. I, 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 <laughs> I probably am. I probably am. The, you know, the, the game against Real Madrid where Shakhtar had like eight or nine players out with COVID and, and still right. um, got very close to coming out with three points in that game. Um, yeah, that they're, they're going to make it very difficult. And I mean, Inter have had a good start to the season. I think they've only conceded one goal and scored like seven. Um, so it's, it's not like they are performing poorly without Lukaku, for example. But I think that this could be, again, a season where Inter, maybe they make it out, maybe they do get second, but I think they will struggle to really to really make it out confidently. So... I'm still, yeah, Real Madrid and Shakhtar are probably my picks here. So why don't we, uh, uh, why don't we move on? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. We don't, we don't have to belabor this one Thanks. too much. <laughs> um, group, group E, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Dinamo Kiev, and Benfica. From uh, two years on from, from one of the, one of those, I'll, I'll never forget where I was when this game happened. Two years, Barcelona. one year. Oh, wow. It is one year ago. Wow. Yeah. I think COVID I guess I've deleted, I deleted 2020 more or less <laughs> from my brain. Um, yeah. By, Bayern and Barcelona obviously will be the favorites to get out of this group. Um, this Bayern team is, it's not the same juggernaut that it was two years ago no that's fair that's fair i think from a defensive standpoint i think they're not as strong defensively as they were a couple years ago they're still a very hard team to stop (laughs) from an attacking point so um i know we'll we'll see we'll see how this one goes but i think to be fair overwhelming favorites right (laughs) overwhelming is guaranteed if you if you have money lying around and you'd like to get into sports gambling put it on Bayern to make or, or take the number one spot that's unsolicited I do not claim any uh, responsibility for your actions if that's the case but I will say Benfica are I think a very finicky team from really like paying attention to them in and out over the last couple of years I do think that their midfield is probably one of the more underrated midfields in the world. And I think that they could pose problems still. I don't know if it's enough to overcome Barcelona and Bayern, but I will say that even I'm not fully set on Barcelona making it out of this group. Um, But once again, alphabetical order, Barcelona starting the group on top. So I I will take a screenshot of it and run with it. (laughs) And yes, we'll just clip that for later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so group group F here, though, we've got a rematch of last season's Europa League final, Manchester United, Villarreal, Atalanta, and Young Boys. I think this one for me is the group of death. Interesting, um, okay. But purely because I think we've got two unbelievably good attacking teams in Manchester United and uh, Atalanta and then Villarreal who has shown in Europe, obviously against 
um, Manchester United in the final and I think against Arsenal in the semifinal. And then mm. also in the Super Cup against Chelsea, they are really well drilled, really, really well drilled defensively and have no problem whatsoever sitting back and just making life absolute hell for the opposition. And I think they're going to pose a lot of trouble for Manchester United and Atalanta's from a um, defensive point of view. And from Villarreal, I like, I like what I've seen from Dia as well. Like in his at least ability to link up play with um, with Gerard Moreno, I know that it has not been the best start to the season for them. But um, I mean, the, the, the just also as an aside, you know, the, the ending to their last game right before the international break, where they're up to one and in the last minute they passed Stop. it back the pass, not even a pass back well i guess it was it I was who, who i can't remember who played the ball forward uh but, um, i think it was um, andy i think i think it was yeah Mandy. they were playing there yeah anyway they played forward god <laughs> the defender, damn it man the defender oh. heads it you know directly on goal um to his where he thought his keeper would be but for whatever reason um <laughs> the keeper has moved out of the goal and and uh they end up conceding an own goal in the last minute i, I think it was against um atletico against atletico yeah it wasn't uh, it, it was a very significant game yes <laughs> so um you know as long as they just kind of cut that out they should have a great chance to make it out of the group <laughs> but yeah i think for me this is a very difficult group um yeah united, united are gonna have to break down villarreal in two games and i think we saw how hard it was for them to do it um in the final so yeah i i can't i don't know who's making it out of this group but um you know atalanta is always a lot of fun to watch so it should be a fun group 100 i i would agree that i think villarreal um i i will say united and atalanta probably make it out Quite honestly, I, I do think that Villarreal have not started well, and I think that they suffer defensively for a multitude of reasons that I won't get into. But I think that that's probably the only reason they do not make it out. But I think it's going to be very close between Atalanta and Villarreal. So group Group G, Rian, I I don't really know. It's a, a toss up. Uh, yeah, that's a real I don't really know what to too, make right? out of, of this. Um, Wolfsburg, Lille, Sevilla, and Salzburg. It, it, it feels like. I think Sevilla and Wolfsburg should should be the two that make it out of here. Um, Lille have not started well at all in France. Um, granted, they sold Despite a few players. <laughs> yeah, they sold a, f- a few players over the summer, and their coach also left <laughs> like over the summer, and they they have not started well. I think they are still looking for their. F- I think they actually got their first win in um, in Ligana in their fourth game of the season. So it's it's difficult it, that they won the league last season on you know just great team play, obviously, and they're not quite clicking the same way at the beginning of the season for for Ligana and Wolfsburg. Really difficult team defensively, um, probably the best team defensively in Germany. So, 
I feel like them and Sevilla are probably the two strongest teams in this group. And I, I would expect those two to make it through Salzburg. Oh, it has a good chance um, just because they are really difficult against big teams. Uh, so I feel like we could see Lille finish fourth. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Lille finished fourth in this group. I'll just say that. And Salzburg did start well, by the yeah, way, yes. to this season. I mean, they I don't think they've lost the season. No. So I, I would probably agree with you that Sevilla, so, oh my God, Sevilla, um, top of the group. I do think that it's a toss up more so than between Salzburg and Wolfsburg. I'm not as sold on Wolfsburg as you are yet. Yeah, that's again, keyword. Funny enough, I'm talking about a team in Wolfsburg that just beat Leipzig. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> they still have. They still have the ability to, to beat very similar teams to, um, to Salzburg. And so then with that, round up with Group H here, Elias, Chelsea, Juventus, Zenit, and Malmo. Oh, you want me to round this out? Oh, no, 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 no. I said, no, no. Oh, I said you, <laughs> you are rounding this out. Are you kidding me? I, I'm very curious to hear your takes on. I'm assuming you believe that Chelsea and Juve get out of this group. I think that Zenit probably poses a greater threat from an attacking point of view than yeah. most people will expect. But who well, do you I'll think say, comes out? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say ahead. that, like, you know, that obviously this is a Juventus team that is much different without Cristiano Ronaldo. But they're also a very flawed team. So I think Chelsea are the best team in that out of that four, obviously, like by good answer. A, a good margin, by a good margin. Um, Good Juventus, has, Juventus has to <laughs> Juventus has to prove that they will get back to that level. Um, they haven't shown the consistency really at all um, the last year and a half, at least. Um, and so it's, I, I I think they'll make it out of the group. I think they'll make it out of the group. But this is not a scary team. Then that could be some famous final like last words um but <laughs> but th- this thing and we're gonna clip not, that yeah yeah this is this is not a scary team it's not a, a, i don't think it's a, it's not a, a team that strikes fear into um they shouldn't strike that they shouldn't strike fear into chelsea obviously but you know i, I think a team like zenith should have a will have a great chance of winning one of those two games so well, agreed i i would actually yeah. fully agree with that so well, I think that rounds out the Champions League. We did it in a short, I don't know, 20-something minutes. So we made it through either way. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll wrap, we'll wrap up the international break pod. We'll send it back, and I, we'll only watch some of La Liga's games because apparently Sevilla-Barcelona is off uh, because of just weird La Liga and ball rules. Don't get me started on that. But anyway, we'll be back after this weekend of club games return and Champions League is back next week. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, guys. 